Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Aura Natrich, and she's a pioneering expert, an international keynote speaker and coach, and the founder of President and President of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. A sought-after expert in the field of mindfulness, transformational thinking, and discovery, she is the author of Says Who?, how one simple question can change the way you think forever. And she also has written, Live True, a mindfulness guide to authenticity. And she's been named one of the 100 best mindfulness books of all time. Let's try that again, because I didn't like the way that go. Is that all one book? Is that all one title for the same book? For Live True. Yes. Okay. Okay, so let me, so is it one book or two books? Live True was, was um, voted as one of the top 100 mindfulness books of all time. Okay, let's take that again. Five, four, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. Her name is Aura Nadridge, and she's a pioneering mindfulness expert, an international keynote speaker, and a coach. And she's the founder and president of the Institute for Transformational Thinking. She's a thought, a sought after expert in the fields of mindfulness and a transformational thinking and discovery. And she is author of a couple of books. One is Says Who, How One Simple Can Change the Question You Think Forever. And another one called Live True, A Mindfulness Guide to Authenticity which has been named one of the 100 best mindfulness books of all time by Book Authority. Her new book is Mindfulness and Mysticism, Connecting Present Moment Awareness with Higher States of Consciousness. Aura, thank you for being here today. It really is a pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Laika, for having me. Thank you. You know, recent research has shown that humans tell a more than 6,000 thoughts every day. And those thousands of thoughts are an irrefutable consequences of today's obsession with being busy and busy and busy. You know, it's called a rat race for a reason. And I think we all live that rat race. And it's called breakneck speed for a reason, because at those speeds, it's very likely we can break our necks. Now, our obsessive mental planning, rehashing and cataloging keeps us from uncovering more heightened awareness in which we can participate in life as grounded, sensitive beings. Now, I know that's what you espouse. And tell us more about that, Aura, please. Well, everything you said, Dr. Leica, is accurate. We are extremely busy. We are going to get more busy as time goes on rather exponentially, I feel, because with all of the technology advancing, more devices, uh, we're just going to be swept up in this constant state of busyness. So we need help. 
And that is where mindfulness comes into play. Mindfulness is the practice of being present. And when we are present, we have an awareness of the very things that we might have a propensity towards or a tendency to do, which is to continue being on the hamster wheel, if you will, of busyness. So that's really why mindfulness, I feel, is so incredibly helpful and beneficial so that it can counter and balance us so that we're not constantly swept up in the motion of busyness. You know, we're, we're much more comfortable in a state of doing and less comfortable in a state of being. And so one might identify being is doing nothing. And that's not very comfortable for a lot of people. They're more comfortable doing than they are just being. And I, I think some of the things that we have allowed to happen to us is difficult. You know, all of us live with these portable living devices, I call them. They basically gear our thoughts. And every second there's emails coming through and every second there's texting coming through. And there's things that interfere with our regular lives. How do we take control of this whole process, Laura? Well, you know, the very idea that that is something that's an appendage, if you will, to our lives. You know, we always have our phones on us, with us. Some people even sleep with their phones. Do you know? They can't be away from their phones for a minute. So where mindfulness really can be applied to that specifically is having an awareness of when to turn them off, do you know, and not be, you know, susceptible to using them all the time in our waking hours. And, you know, we really have to make a concerted effort to do so. Because if we don't make an effort to say, look, I need to put my devices down, I need to turn them off. I don't need them to be literally on my person with everything I do. Do you know, it will control our lives. And we are not going to be in present moment awareness. We're not going to give someone 100% of our undivided attention. We're not going to be really 100% present. And that is what mindfulness is, is being in the present moment with total awareness. So let's take that total awareness and put our phones down. Yeah, I think that's important. And and I think it's also important to realize that we have control. We are in the driver's seat. We don't have to be letting others drive that, that thing. And that also helps us to transcend our limited thoughts and beliefs. And, and, you know, all of us have thoughts and beliefs that we have from being a child, maybe from things that have gone, maybe from failures that have occurred. So how do we transcend those thoughts and beliefs? Well, you know, we have to really do inventory of our core beliefs. You know, I mean, we have a lot of beliefs and opinions that come and go. And then we have those beliefs that really are, are with us, most of the time. And I think it's really important to check in with what are our core beliefs and why are they so present in our lives and why do we acquiesce to those beliefs so readily? And like you said, those beliefs can be formed back into childhood based on consequences or circumstances or trauma or experiences that were negative and not very positive in our lives, and we form beliefs around them. But if you really think about when they were formed, they're oftentimes, you know, formed in the past. And we carry that into the present. 
So a lot of that is what happened at one time, and we give it life by breathing into it in the present. So I think it's really important to say, well, what are my beliefs today? And by the way, they're subject to change and can change. And when you say we're in the driver's seat, we most certainly are. We can change any thought, any belief at any given moment in our lives. We can change what we believed yesterday to something very different today. Yeah, I think that's important. And and I think all of us have that ability for what you call creative inspiration and, and a higher level of consciousness. What do you mean by those terms? Well, you know, creative inspiration, I really have a whole chapter on creativity in mindfulness mysticism, because I want people to understand that this isn't just a well that can get dried out. We have to replenish that well so that we can drink from it and we can draw our creativity from it. How do we do that? We nurture it, we feed it, and we most importantly stay open to be able to receive creative inspiration. It's not a one-time thing. A lot of writers, you know, talk about writer's block and think, oh, they're doomed for a deadening of their creativity because they're at the effect of what they think is outside of themselves. That's not true. We are the ones that generate creativity. And, you know, our consciousness, our level of awareness needs to match that. So the more aware we are of how open we are and how receptive we are in receiving creative inspiration, the more we can keep that alive in us. And it's it's a wonderful experience to know that creativity is not something that has to dry out or it has to suddenly end. It's something that can really be perpetually stirring in us at all times. So, so when you talk about creativity, I'm going to get on a personal level here, and I'm going to ask you, what ignites your creativity? <laughs> well, that's a very good question. I would say there are a lot of things that ignite my creativity, but I will also say that I am very cognizant because of the work that I do and because I value the practice of mindfulness so much and staying present. And to me, staying present, again, makes me feel receptive to receive the inspirational energies, if you will, whether they're energies, you know, that are in the ether, their energies just on a level of frequency, do you know, there's many ways we can describe our energetic fields and how we really ignite our own energy to meet the energy of the universe. So for me personally, I like to keep my imagination fertile. I like to be able to give myself the room to be creative, do you know, and not overthink it. And I know that what can be really anathema to creativity is the thoughts that we have. If we start to spiral into negative thinking and what I call useless thinking, thoughts that don't serve our well-being in any way, it doesn't really ignite our creativity. So I'm very cognizant of the thoughts that I feed myself or the thoughts that I like to say that I curate, the thoughts that I choose to have in the foreground of my mind that are supporting a creativity, you know, or the creative experience, if you will. And, you know, nature inspires me, mindfulness, walking, going out into nature, really being at one with nature, I find very inspiring. I have to have something to do with experiencing the outside world daily. And by the way, that can mean just something like stepping outside for a little bit and looking up into the sky. 
watching the clouds move across the sky or at night watching the stars in the sky or watching a sunset or a sunrise. We have so much to ignite our creativity that's part of nature. We need to really appreciate it. We need to acknowledge it. We need to use it. It's there. Those are gifts for us. Excellent. Excellent. Let's go a little bit more into your book, because I think your book is a very important step forward for you. What does this book mean to you? And why do you think it's needed in today's world? This book really is an important book to me. I mean, all my books are important to me because I feel inspired by the creative process that we spoke about, Dr. Laika, to write them. This book in particular was really a step forward on the journey of mindfulness, if you will, because I felt like it was taking me into a whole new area that I did not see explored in mindfulness, do you know? And that is going into the area of mysticism. And I coupled mindfulness with mysticism because mindfulness, again, is being in the present moment with total awareness. And I wanted to really bring forward the whole notion of what does it mean to really experience special moments in our lives that feel really very special, very numinous, very um, sacred. You know, I could use a lot of words that I use in my book to attach to that experience. So I wanted to take that journey and I wanted to bring the reader on that journey with me. I knew I was venturing into a whole new realm of understanding what the conscious experiences can be. And it can go beyond our imagination, if you will. So I felt very much like a pioneer, I felt very adventurous in going out into these areas that I did not see explored together, as I said, with mindfulness and mysticism, I did not see that. And I wanted to be the one to really venture forward and explore it. And that was very exciting for me. You know, you talk a lot about mindfulness in this book. Are there three mindfulness tips that the that our listeners might be able to take away from your book? You know, three of the most, I think, simple, applicable tips are be present, really be in the moment that you are in right now, be aware of the thoughts that you have in the present moment, and also be aware of your breath. Because if your mind begins to wander, which invariably it will, there was a study out of Harvard that our mind wanders almost 50% of the time. So where does it go? It usually either anticipates the future, which isn't here yet, or it laments the past, which is coming gone. And where we need the help is to be present. So what I would say is the breath, focusing on the breath, if your mind starts to wander, is bring your focus and awareness to something as simple as the breath. It will always bring you right back into the present moment. So those three tips are three of my favorite tips. You know, that's important. So you say be in the moment. You know, a lot of people have that problem with being in the moment. They're always doing three or four things all at once. You know, they're multitasking. They're, they're doing this. They're doing that. How do you tell people to really experience being in the moment? It's one thing to say being in the moment and a whole different thing to do being in the moment. Well, you know, it's really helpful, I think, to point out to people that when you're not really 100% in the moment, you're not going to experience the, the, the full benefits of being fully present. Our senses are more alive when we're really fully present. We listen better. We see more. 
we can tactily feel more, receive that pleasure of feeling or be able to give that pleasure to somebody else if we're fully present. Our smell is more heightened. Do you know, our senses are really functioning at their optimum when we're very present. When we're multitasking, as you say, or really distracted, we're dulling the senses. Do you know, we are so hypervigilant and trying to do so many things at so many, in so many ways at, at the same time that we might not really be giving 100% of our senses, our sensory you know, perception, if you will, to the present moment. So, you know, good question to ask somebody is, don't you want to get the very best out of a moment? The moment will give to you what you give to it is what I tell people. You show up and you give the moment 100%, meaning give it to the other person you're talking to or listening to or the activity that you're doing or engaging with an animal or a project. You will get so much more because of how much of your undivided attention you gave the very thing that you were doing. Excellent. You know, the flip side of your book is not just mindfulness, it's mysticism. So what is your concept of mysticism and what do you want to tell our listeners about that? You know, I really love um, Christian mystic uh, Evelyn Underhill, who I quote many times throughout the book, and she was an inspiration uh, for me in that her definition of mindfulness is being in union with reality. I'll say it again, being in union with reality. Well, one could say, well, what reality are we referring to? Do you know? Being in union to me means being at one with. And so what is the reality that I am in union with, that I am at one with? Do you know? That is the mystical experience that's personal for each and every one of us. My reality can take me into all sorts of places that can be very uh, special to me, very sacred, as I said, very numinous, you know, which is connecting to the um, parts of life that hold more sacred meaning to us, you know, and can be described in ways that are very personal to us. That's going into the realms, if you will, that can be described as very spiritual. It can be described as religious for those that have a belief in a particular faith. Uh, it's really a very sacred personal journey, which is what I invite the reader to go on to connect to something within. It's the inner journey. And the inner journey is quite deep. And the deeper one goes within themselves, there's more that they can explore and discover. You know, that's important. And, and you also make a difference between the light and the dark. And you talk about dancing between it. What do you mean by that? Well, I really subscribe to Carl Jung, the uh, psychoanalyst, about the shadow. Do you know that we all have aspects of our personality that is more light bearing, if you will. And then there's more complex aspects of the personality. I don't want to really describe them as light and dark per se, but, you know, they can be, you know, fraught. The, the shadow aspects of the psyche can be fraught with a lot of darkness for someone. Do you know, maybe it's the aspects of their personality that they don't want to really look at, or they don't want to embrace, or they don't want to really come to know better so that they can shine a light on it and not be at the effect of those darker aspects of themselves. I think that 
Jung's work on the shadow is extremely important to not only our own development, you know, and our evolution for self-realization, but also as part of the collective, because if we don't really explore the darker aspects of ourselves or the more complex aspects of ourselves, we're more inclined to project it outside of ourselves and we can project it onto other people and other things. So I think it's important to talk about the light in the dark or, or good and evil. If one wants to get philosophical or existential about it, because I think it's important to know really where our complexities lie within us and how it not only can be disruptive to our lives, but it can be disruptive out into the world. Do you know, we must take responsibility for all aspects of who we are. Exactly. You also talk about getting to higher levels of consciousness. What do you mean by that? And how can people get to those higher levels of consciousness? Well, there are many levels of consciousness, do you know, from a psychological point of view, from a spiritual point of view, meaning that there is the waking consciousness, the awareness that we have when we're awake. There's the consciousness that happens when we go into a sleep state. And then there are what I would call more advanced levels of consciousness that, you know, many yogis and monks might say, well, they've experienced it through many, many years of meditation and sitting quietly with oneself and being able to access the different perceptions of reality that one can experience on the life journey. You know, I talk a lot about the waking state of consciousness, which is the awareness of being awake in all the things that we do. And I think that's an important area to start with, because if we become more aware in the awake areas of consciousness, we can become much more developed in our awareness. And the more we become developed in our awareness, the more aware we become, the more awake we become, and the more we come to know and come to see about ourselves, others, the universe, the cosmos. I mean, it's a, it's a very vast field of, knowing if you will on the life journey yeah now that's important as well so uh life's journey has a lot of aspects in it and how do you what would your recommendations be for people to take the most out of their life journey right now do you know dr laika i think it's really important to work on the area of awareness again which is really the essence of mindfulness i think it's a great place to start for all of us and what i mean by that is very important to become more conscious human beings to become more aware human beings i think that's a really important place for us to work on it's a very important place for us to get better at so you know i mean yes it's wonderful to be able to experience different levels of consciousness. And I encourage that in the book, but I don't think we should jump ahead of ourselves. I think that we need to really get very good at being more conscious, aware human beings. And let's see where that takes us because it will take us to other places for sure. It will heighten our awareness. And by heartening our awareness, we will be able to experience, you know, many more wondrous things on the life journey. Excellent. Are there, let, let's boil your point, your book down to maybe five points that you would like everybody to take away from it. What are five pointers that people can take from mindfulness and mysticism that they can take home today and implement in their lives? I would say one 
you know, embark on the path of being a more mindful human being. Again, being more aware, being more conscious, do you know? Uh, number two, I would say the life journey of becoming a more conscious human being can start today. There is no better time than right now, speaking of the present moment. So know that anybody who's interested in to embark on the journey of mindfulness, they can begin the journey today simply by desiring to do so, do you know, and declaring to oneself, I'm ready to become a more mindful human being. The third, I would say, is that you can really begin to be the creator and master of your inner dialogue, which creates your reality. Do you know, by becoming a more aware human being, you can become more aware of the thoughts that you hold in your mind and that you have the ability to transform those thoughts to exactly what you want them to be. Do you wish them to be negative or do you wish them to be positive? Do you desire them to be useful or do you want to keep thinking thoughts that do not serve your well-being at all and are rather useless ultimately? Okay. Uh, the fourth point, I would say, is that do you believe you can embark on a journey of the divine and what that means to you to embark on a journey in your life that holds greater meaning for you? Embark on a journey that feels more special, more sacred, perhaps more holy. Do you know that you don't need to just go to places of worship to feel that you're connecting to a greater presence? You can call it God. You can call it source. You can call it the absolute. You can call it whatever that is resonant to you. Do you know that? Do you wish to embark on a journey that gives your life greater meaning? And the fifth point or takeaway of the book, I would say, is that Everybody can embark on a mystical journey of their life. They can all go to places in their life experience that can feel as though you really understand why you are here, what you were born to do, and what the life experience means for you as an individual. And that you don't need to wait till you take your last breath to know and have that aha moment. Ah, that's why I am here. That's why I was born. Begin that journey now. Don't wait to the end of the life cycle. Begin the journey. The divine journey means you are welcoming, welcoming yourself into a journey that is going to unveil more secrets of the universe for you and your purpose in the world. Okay. We're getting close to our end already, believe it or not. And I always like to end the show with two questions. And the first question is, how do you, Aura Nadrich, live a fantastic life? You know, Dr. Laika, I feel that I live a fantastic life by waking up each day grateful that I'm alive one more day and that I am open to meeting life, the universe, the great, beautiful, mystical universe, and what it has to show me and that I remain receptive to it so that I can live that fantastic life. Okay, excellent. Well, the flip side of this, and this is something for our listeners out there, is how do you recommend others to have that fantastic life that you have? First and foremost, live true to who you are. 
each and every one of us is a unique, special individual. I write about the authentic self and living life authentically, authentically, living life true to who you really are. And, you know, I think it's so important for each and every one of us to wake up and say, I'm ready to live the authentic version of myself. I'm ready to meet myself, no parts left unknown. And I'm ready to embark on this life journey is my most authentic self. Excellent. So right, two, two questions now. One is how can people get a copy of your book if they'd like to? The easiest way to get a copy of my book is Amazon. Obviously, that's we know that's easy and uh, you get the book pretty quickly. Uh, you know, or Barnes and Noble. Excellent. And the second question is, how can people get in touch with you if they'd like to find out more of the other services you offer? They can go to my website, auranadrich.com. And it's just... And let, let, let's spell that for everybody. Sure. Because everybody sure. Can that. So it's Aura, O-R-A, Nadrich, N-A-D-R-I-C-H, dot com or anadrich.com and that's a great way to just stay in touch with me and see what I'm doing and learn more and there's so many things on my website that are archived and there's meditations and articles and videos so it's got a lot on there well thank you Aura for being here today thank you so much for having me uh, this is Dr. Ellen Leica we're glad to have you here today ladies and gentlemen talk to you soon bye for now You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic.